This weekend, we're diving into this new series called Sex, Love, and Relationships. Not in that order. <laughs> Don't get any ideas. We want to know exactly what God says so that we can flourish relationally. And I believe that God wants us to be happy, be fulfilled, but most importantly, that we are called to please Him above everything else. We were designed by God for love. And deep within our hearts, there is a desire to be loved and also to be able to love other people. We want people to love us, to reassure us of who we are, to tell us that we are valuable, that God has great plans for us, and that We've not been called to existence, but we've been called to live a life of, of significance for the Lord. This genuine love is not only from our hearts, it's from our soul and also in our thoughts. While feelings are one of the most important things in love, our feelings do not measure our love levels. And we have to kind of go back to some of the directives in the Bible where we're being inspired to step beyond and to enlarge our life of love. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, we are inspired, and it says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life for good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. We really learn about love because Jesus became the model. And Jesus showed us how we were to be people that express our love and build healthy relationships. So turn to John chapter 13, and we want to read verse 34 and 35. If you're here, just say yes. yes. All right, verse 34, read it out loud like your life depended on it. Here we go. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus had just been with his leaders and pulled out a basin and began to get down on the floor and wash their feet. The Bible says he also not only washed their feet, but he 
took a towel, and he dried them. I'm sure when they came into the room that day, he was looking around, wondering who in my small group will wash the feet. It was customary for someone when they came in the door to begin to wash their feet because they didn't have motorcycles or have cars, so their form of transportation was walking. And Jesus noticed no one is moving. He noticed that no one was thinking about the other person. And so as he begins to wash their feet, as he begins to respond to a need, he then introduces them to what he calls a new commandment of love. Certainly, they had learned about love. They knew about love. But it was a new commandment in that Jesus was ushering in the grace, his grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, because now it would go beyond you need to and should. Now there would be coming a grace upon you so that now a new commandment would not be something you read, but a new commandment would be something that is so life-changing that you would begin to live a life of love. And Jesus says, I want you to get your eyes on the person next to you, and I, I really want you, and he's telling them now, I, I really want you to love each other. I want you to get your eyes on the person that is next to you. I want you to look them in the eyes. I want you to have your whole being focused on them because this is a new commandment. And then he says something that is off the chain. He says, and by the way, the movement that we're starting in this pagan environment and in this Roman empire, the distinctive will not be the size of a building. The distinctive will not be lights or skinny jeans. The distinctive, the distinctive will be that when the people in the pagan society look over the fence and they see you, they will say, oh, they must be followers of Jesus because they love each other. Amen. Josephus was a historian, a Jewish historian, who didn't know a lot about Jesus, but he said this, oh, how they love one another. And that's what he calls us to today, to love each other. When he mentions this, this word in the Greek is simply agapeo. Say it with me. Agapeo. Say it a little louder. You're a Greek scholar here. Agapeo. Do it again. That's... I'm going to agapeo anyway. 
this is a verb, and by its verb nature, it is calling for action. A theologian, a Greek scholar by the name of, w- of Wiest, said that this acapello, acapello, is simply love that is awakened because of a recognition of the value in the person that you're loving. It's not human, but it is this love that is unconditional and it is sacrificial and it is a Jesus kind of a love. And we sometimes think, well, I wonder if I have, I wonder if I have enough love. And this verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where he says that God's love, oh, this is incredible. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to you so that when we are followers of Jesus and the Holy Spirit has come to live within us, then he is saying here that I am, through the Holy Spirit, I'm not giving you a little bit. I am actually pouring my love into you. So there is this enormous capacity in all of us to be able to take the love from God and allow that to be disseminated to everyone so that all of us as followers of Christ, we become a people of love or we become lovers of people. And that no person is exempt irrespective of background, irrespective of culture, irrespective of their uh, income level, irrespective of their educational level, because with Jesus, everyone is the same as we come to the cross. There are no distinctions. So, we are full of the love of God. However, in our nation, In our nation and in our culture and in our world, we have become a me-centered people. Hashtag me, me, and, and me and mine. We focus on ourselves. And so often today we have a cultural thing of your, how many are single in the room? Let me see your hand. Single. Want to be married? Okay. How many are married? How many don't want to be married? Oh, okay. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Take that off the tape. It's interesting in our culture, though, it's like meet someone, have sex, 
the next day or maybe wait a week. And I can just imagine some guy telling you, well, if you really loved me, you would have sex. Well, there's another word that begins with an L because love can always wait, but lust, is that the word you were thinking about? Lust disguises itself as love. So if you're a college student and you don't know who you are and this guy is a hunk and he looks great, he's got a great car and he's a great surfer, wind blowing and great sunglasses and You need to look at him and let him know that what he just said, that's not love, that is nonsense. <laughs> and let me out at the next 7-Eleven, I'm going to call Uber. I don't know why there are girls that will allow guys to do all kinds of things, coerce them, maneuver, play cultural games just to have sex. And you need to do something about it if you've got some guy on the wire there in fact, text him right now <laughs> with love in your heart and say, I'm done. Have a great day. Jesus loves me. This I know. <laughs> and if you have somebody around you that is abusing you, and the abuse we don't talk about a lot is, is verbal abuse, we don't have to put up with that. You've been, there are people that'll move in with somebody and the guy or girl is abusive and abusive and they stay with them. Why do they do that? Because they're crazy. <laughs> and you need to say, Jack, get out of here before I call my favorite three numbers 911. <laughs> it's about time we start to set ourselves up for blessing rather than allowing our inferiority to dictate our own actions and know who we are, that we are a new creation in Christ, that we are children of the Most High God, and that we are called with a purpose. And we have to hold out for a real man of God. You have to hold out for a real woman of God. 
Not someone who is kind of playing the part, coming to church, lifting their hands, saying the game, and then in the car or somewhere sleeping around with a girl in the church. You need to get saved, born again, get out or get in, and be a man of God. Seems invasive this morning. I don't know what that is. In other words, you need to know who you are. You need to know whose you are. You need to carry yourself as a child of God, as a daughter of the Lord, and not let somebody tell you who you are unless it's congruent with what God says because when we don't know who we are, we allow other people to tell us who we are and that when they tell us who we are, That is not what God says, and we have been called to flourish. We have been called unto the blessing, and there's someone in this room, you need to break off that relationship, and you need to get in your Bible and say, listen, I am a girl, I am a woman of God, and walk out and do what is right. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think so that good thoughts are in your mind daily about who you are in Christ. One of the biggest deals of reading the Bible every day because the Bible is telling us who we are and what we have. And when we read it and it says who we are and what we have, it is able to silence what everybody else says until we know who we are. We are the kids of the creator of the universe. And you have your head down low. You have your head down to the ground this morning. Well, stand up, take action, be a person that's decisive, keep praying. Maybe she hasn't shown up. She will show up. We said a couple weeks ago, we have entered into a new season. This will be a season of flourishing. There are going to be unlimited numbers of marriages in this church. They are going to be godly marriages. They're going to be good marriages. And we're going to be a model and example to the world of not fooling around, playing around, playing games, coming to church, lift our hands, and then put your hands where they shouldn't be. No, you keep your hands up in the name of Jesus. And Robert and Vange were at Southeastern University, and they would leave every Friday or Sunday night, I would say, Rob, keep your hands in the Bible. (laughs) Then I was going with Judy, and Rob would say to me, you keep your hands in the Bible. (laughs) And I did. It's interesting how he says here in Romans, over in Galatians chapter 5, is everybody still here? Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, 
Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then he delineates about 17 or 18 things that are aberrations from our God nature to our sinful nature because we have the new nature we put on that is to override the sinful nature so we're living out of our new nature in Christ. Here he's talking to believers going to Sunday morning services and he calls them out and he says, that's not right. (laughs) And by the way, that's not right. And it's not to condemn. He, He writes down these prerogatives because he's trying to help us and he loves us. And when you get to verse 20, he has this litany of stuff that is not right that's going on in our relationships. And he says, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division. And he says, that, that shouldn't be happening. That's not, that's not what I have in mind. It's interesting. There may be one family here. You're in a family and all you do is you're quarreling and fighting and and bickering and dissension. It's not right. Unless you do something about it, you're, you're not only doing this to wreck and destroy your marriage, you are planting the seeds of generations literally thousands that will become like that and some of us came from families like that and the reason you're in it, you think that's normal. It's dysfunctional. It's dysfunctional. Does it mean we have disagreement? Yes. Does it mean we get tense? Yes. But we don't, we don't do those seven words. Jealousy, self-centeredness, dissension. And what we have to do is we have to get better in our relationships. That's why we have a clarion call in our church to go back to the New Testament where they were meeting in homes and they were together and they were growing together. And out of those relationships, you go from transactional relationships to transformational relationships. We're not having marriages or like politics. Okay, I'm giving you this donation so you build a bridge in Oklahoma. That's transactional. When our motivation in doing what we're, do- we're doing is primarily what we're going to give, we have entered into transactional relationships. The book is not about transactional relationships. That is our culture. Oh, would you do this for me and, and then I'll do that? No. Jesus wasn't down there with a basin washing their feet saying, well, I guess the guys are going to now make a... He was doing that because he was a servant. What he is saying here is there's a better way and we got to get into community. 
And we have to get a man. If you're a man, you need a man that's godly. Say what you want. I like successful people. I, I like people that have figured it out. So that if you're, if you're not quite there and you say, that guy has a pretty good family over there, that's the guy you want to be with. And you want to take the step and say, listen, I'm getting out of my dysfunction. My father was messed up. His father was crazy. And my great-grandfather was really double crazy. And I'm getting out of this thing. And I'm not replicating in my family. I'm getting out today. And I'm going to call Jeff Taylor or Dave Taylor. Are they brothers? I'm going to call. I'm going to call somebody. But I'm going to learn how to do it. I used to go skiing every year in Aspen. Every year I went, I always took lessons. Because I figured in the last year since I had been skiing, there were some things I wasn't exactly up on, and I wanted to go down, and that guy would teach you, you know, lean, lean into the mountain. Oh, my God, yes, okay. The reason we have coaches, the reason we have life coaches, the reason we should have mentors in the church is somebody knows a little bit more about this to get me better. We set up, we set up Illuminate in our church. And Illuminate is for ministry one-on-one -on -one counseling. We have 10 great leaders. Don Middleton is heading this up. We need 100 people because we're going to be counseling thousands of people in this church. We're going to see the greatest awakening in the history of the Christian church. Why? We're getting out of this thing of come and praise God and live like hell. It's time that some of us rise up with grace in our hearts and say, listen, I used to serve the devil. I used to live for the devil but now I am crushing the gates of Hades and I'm living for God and I'm not perfect, but boy, I am headed for the target to live for Christ. And that's why we have to have in Galatians chapter five, verse 22, he says, but, he said, but, say that word, but, Holy Spirit is, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. One theologian says that the eight aspects here are all clusters of one thing, and that is love. And what he is saying is that these things happen, and they're happening in your home, they're happening in your life, because you are yielding to the wrong nature, your sinful nature, and you're not going to make it. And he says, but, conjunction, conjunction opposite to the other, he says, but the Holy Spirit, well, can stop right there. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives so that now I have the Holy Spirit living within me. And when I'm about to head down the wrong path, I'm reminded, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit is working in me. And part of that, and most of the time of the stuff we're handling, is the last deal here, it's self-control. Remember, we had an assessment here five weeks ago. And our church suffered seriously 
from this last one. Remember, we raised hands and we got the self-control and no hands. Oh, are you there? Okay, well, why are you quiet? Imagine you're a man, imagine you're a woman, imagine you're out on a date, you like this girl, but in your heart and mind, you remind yourself, I'm a Christian. I'm going to honor this girl. I'm going to love her the way Jesus would love her. And I am going to be reminded that I have the Holy Spirit producing in me self-control where you say, no way, Jose. We have to learn to tame our desires. We have a culture that does anything, anytime, anywhere, and we're not like that. We're not copying that behavior. We're copying the behavior of Christ. That means that we have to have men in our lives. We have to have women, the new woven ministry of our daughters of the Lord meeting together here on that Friday night. We're believing for hundreds and hundreds. Uh, Judy and Jackie are going to be here and others and all of our women. They're going to have a great time because we are going to call out women to be leaders and change the world and be godly mothers. Remember, we're training up the next generation to serve the Lord as never before. That means our relationships, all of our relationships must be founded on our relationship with Jesus. If our feet are not on the sure foundation of Jesus so that when you are engaging a relationship or you're married, wherever you are, you're not saying, do you go to church? And they say, yes, I go to mass. And you check that off. That may mean nothing more than I drink coffee at Starbucks. Because when you really have a foundation of Jesus and you're getting to know someone, it's one of the first subjects that gets in the matrix where you talk about Jesus. And if there's no Jesus in that, you need to realize it and get to a point of listening to the Holy Spirit and don't get yourself don't get yourself emotionally tied up with someone who is the wrong person there's someone here today you are tied up with someone so emotionally you're living with him and it's not right you know it's not right you're so insecure you don't know what you do without him be decisive you listen to the Holy Spirit. Because what happens, and we hear it over and over and over again, girls, guys, with the wrong person. And what happens? It muffles who you are. 
and your destiny. I don't believe anyone here has a destiny that is insignificant. I believe we're called to be changers of the world for good. We have to fight for what is right. We have to take our stand for what we believe in. That's why we have to have godly people around us that they can fight with us. And as we are fighting together and we are understanding that God is fighting for us, he is pushing back the darkness. He is lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And this kingdom cannot be shaken it will not be shaken. And we have been called to shake down the kingdom of darkness. We haven't been called to partnership. We haven't been called to have negotiations. We haven't been called to hang around. What God wants to do in our lives is far beyond what you can see. You have been called to something great. Listen this morning. You have been called. Those people in the second balcony, the balcony up there, you have been called for something that is amazing. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, God can do anything. God can do anything. There's nothing that can stop us. And I'm calling you today. Some of you are passive, sitting in the, in the wrong place at the wrong time. You're going the wrong way. Some have families. You're fighting, and you're not, you're not doing what God wants you to do. And the Holy Spirit is saying, on this day, you rise up. And you begin to fight for what belongs to you. And a great deal of what you're fighting for is not in the past. It's your future. Because I don't believe we are here simply to exist. I don't believe we are here just to go up and be bored every single day. I believe he has a dynamic plan for us. I believe he wants us to flourish. And our generations to flourish. I believe in a minute there will be healings that will happen all over this building. And most of the healings have to do with our hearts. I command every stronghold to be broken in the name of Jesus. I declare a download of the power of the Holy Spirit that will erupt a volcanic move of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. I come against rejection in the name of Jesus. I come against every aberrant behavior and I call for a move of the Holy Spirit like we've never had in our lives in the name of Jesus. Shake up every, th every family in this church. Shake up every person in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 God is fighting for us.
going to shout. We're going to shout in just a moment. You may be a guest, and we know it's okay to shout at a football game, a soccer game. And the reason we're shouting is because our team, we want our team to win. Uh, this, is, this is a shout uh, uh, to the Savior of our lives. It's also a shout that breaks down walls. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to shout in just a moment. But I want, I want you to think, not a general shout. I want you to think of something that needs to come down in the name of Jesus. Because surely on this day, there are things that are coming down in our relationships, sickness, disease, in the name of Jesus. So we're going to sing this again. When we get to that part, we're going to shout it out. Let's have a roar to the Savior, the King that we've been singing about, and let's get victorious here. Fight for what you know is right in your life. You don't feel anything? Fine. Begin to shout in a moment and praise Him now. Everyone, lift your voices.
Hallelujah. I believe that the Lord is, I believe the Lord is right now calling us to allow him to touch our hearts right now and heal hearts. Put your hand on your heart right now. Just, just play the pads there a minute. Oftentimes our hearts are broken. Walls have been erected. The Lord is saying, I'll heal them right now. The quietness of our hearts, we all have broken places. And Jesus, we ask right now that you would heal every heart, heal every mind, healing of the memories. Bless your name, Lord. Glorify your name, Jesus. Jesus is coming and touching us with his hand of love. If you're married, take the hand of the person next to you, if you would. If you're engaged, or maybe you're with your boyfriend, girlfriend, just take their hand. I pray that every relationship will be whole.
and healing will come. We declare in our relationships intimacy, no walls, absolute forgiveness, peace of mind, past mistakes are forgotten and forgiven. Love is full. And thank you, Jesus, for healing every heart. Thank you, Jesus. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. No matter what we've done, where we've gone, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Thank you, Jesus. Let him love you right now. We never dismiss any of our services without giving friends an opportunity to have their sins forgiven. No matter how many mistakes we've made, the darkness of our life, the cloud of condemnation, guilt, and shame, Christ calls us and he says to us, I love you. He calls us in our brokenness and he says, come. Let me wash your hearts clean. He says, come from your place of brokenness and let me, I'm the savior of everyone, let me forgive you. Just a moment, I'm gonna count to three. At the end of that, I wanna give everyone an opportunity that's in the room just to put your hand up and say, pray for me, I wanna be forgiven. I want Jesus today. One, two, three. Put your hand up all over the building. Put them up right now. Say yes to Christ, yes. Put them up wherever you are. Say yes to Christ over here, over there, over there. Balcony, put it up. I'm gonna ask all of you that raised your hand just to walk down this aisle and just stand there. We're gonna have a short prayer with you. Come right now. No one leave just for a minute. Come. 
come. Yes, yes. Balcony, come down. That's it, that's it. Come, come, come. Yes, yes. Come, come right now. Come right now to Jesus. That's it, that's it, right there. Balcony, come down. Look at this. God bless you. God bless you. We don't come because we deserve it. We come out of grace. And because we have value and worth, Christ says, you're my girl. You're my guy. You come and I'll clean you up. And I'll give you a new heart. Is this incredible, all these people here, families? We're going to pray a prayer. Look up if you would. We're not going to focus on how bad you've been. Our focus in this place is how wonderful Jesus is. And we're going to pray a prayer, and then Pastor Dave, we have some friends over the side here, just a couple minutes. And then your next step will be to openly declare to your family and your friends in the world that you belong to Christ through water baptism. And that's going to be Wednesday night or Sunday. So let's all say this prayer. You're watching online. You can pray this prayer wherever you are. If you didn't come, just pray it. And let's all join together and say this prayer. Jesus, Jesus. I put my faith in you that you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and he is alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin and I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your grace, the gift of righteousness and eternal life. You pray that prayer, you're forgiven and you have a new heart. Go with, go with Pastor, go with Pastor. Go with.